Welcome to Stories of Hope, brought to you by our friends at Hope 150. Stories of Hope features testimonies from around our country of the many ways God has given beauty for ashes and peace for despair. Tell us your story. Stories of Hope at Hope150.ca. Welcome once again to our program today. I've got in studio Catherine Bushoff. And you can learn more about her story on a Facebook page called For the Love of Alex. Welcome to The Light. Thank you. So, For the Love of Alex. Now, Alex would be your son. Yes, our oldest son. Your oldest son. And you told me off the year that um, recently uh, you recognized or you had the third anniversary of his passing. So, yeah. tell us the story. Tell us about Alex what happened? What is your story of hope? Uh, well, we were just living our lives, school, work, community, uh, being busy. And uh, he he vomited a few times that last month of school. We weren't sure, you know, there was no fever or anything. So, And he's how old at this, at this point? He's nine. Nine, he's okay. nine, yeah, yeah. And a grade three. Yeah, lo and behold, after he had thrown up again, we decided, okay, this is serious. Now we're done school, just it was the July long weekend and we took him to a walk-in clinic and uh, yeah, there, when the doctor's faces get all serious, you know, something's going down and uh, it didn't take long for us to discover that he had uh, stage four cancer. Oh my goodness. So what did they see in a walk-in clinic of all places that would make them know immediately that there was a serious problem, Catherine? Well, his liver was eight times its normal size, so it should be all tucked up in his ribs, and uh, it was way down beside his belly button. And here we are thinking, oh, maybe appendicitis or a twisted bowel, you know, mm. and we, it wasn't even on our radar, cancer. Uh, so yeah, they saw that there was a mass there, and then they took us, um, whisked us away to the Red Deer Hospital right away to have ultrasounds done and, and blood tests done, and... And yeah, it was shortly after that. So prior to him vomiting and showing some signs of more serious problems, as a normal family, you you were seeing doctors. He would see he would have like an annual checkup. They weren't they weren't catching any of this, or had it been a while since you had seen a doctor? Uh, no, actually, um, it, two weeks before that, they had checkups, and they were both both our sons were given a clean bill of health. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there began a brand new chapter that you didn't foresee, now having to deal with cancer. Uh, your son's nine years of age at this point. How did he take it? Was he, was he brave? Was he, was he petrified? W- what, was the, what was the atmosphere like in the, f- in the home at that point? <laughs> he was such an awesome kid. Shortly after he was diagnosed, we were having a conversation. We were, because we had lost my mom to cancer, just that year before, we were very open about death and dying. And, and his teacher had also been um, reading the Heaven is for Real book for kids in their classroom. And uh, so we lots of questions about heaven and what happens after you die. And so shortly after his diagnosis, uh, we were sitting in the kitchen and I asked him, you know, how are you doing, Alex? And I meant physically, but uh, he said, you know, I'd be good either way. If I die... You know, I get to see Grandma Yvonne and Jesus. And have you heard how cool heaven is? Mm. But it's a good thing I was hanging onto the counter because I almost fell over. So right away, fear 
you know, if he wasn't going to have fear, and that was the one thing he wanted all of his friends and buddies to know, is that he wasn't scared. When you would tuck him in at night and spend spend your last times with him, what were you seeing in his face? Was was he was it just contentment? Was it uh, peace? Uh, he he remained uh, the last uh, eleven days. We were at the children's hospital in the ho- in the uh, palliative care, which is remarkable, by the way. I didn't even realize that facility was there, and it was it's like a posh hotel with doctors and nurses. But even in those last hours, you know, he wanted us to read him that book. And he was asking how we were doing, even though, you know, it is incredibly painful to watch your child's health deteriorate. And dying is not pretty. (laughs) It's not pretty at all. But, um, yeah, he was was good. When he realized that there was going to be no more chemo treatments, he teared up a bit. He then told us what he wanted at his memorial service. <laughs> and what was that? A big wheel of cheese, <laughs> an assortment of sandwich meats, and um, there was one song he picked out that was Mercy Me, uh, The Hurt and The Healer. And he said, you know, when I'm healed, I want them to play this song. Now, I realize at the time he was anticipating being completely healed in this lifetime, but... As you listen to the words, it's very profound and very fitting. So that was one of the songs that we had at his Mm. service. Catherine, I can't imagine this. I know every parent says that the the last thing that they'd ever want is to to bury a child. And you went through um, (coughs) that that tragedy. And you've come out the other side. And when I met you today, you were so cheerful. I see joy in your face. I know there's pain, and there probably always will be. Um, But at the same time, you're carrying something bigger in your heart, and I know that. Why do you continue day by day with hope now? Where's where's your strength coming from? Well, it's, it's interesting in those early months after losing him, it was a very, very dark place. And the only thing that really has given me comfort is contemplating eternity. There is so much power in contemplating. And I think it's easy to brush over when we get busy with this life and and worried about paying mortgages and bills and getting kids to different things. But really, this life is such a drop in the bucket. And because Alex made Jesus his savior, I know I'll see him again. So it was more of a so long even as hard as it was, and you think of all people to trust your child into the care of Jesus would be, but it was hard to let go. <laughs> mm. at, at what point, when you went through the dark place, at what point did you start to see the light once again? When, when did the sky become blue again, and you could smell the beautiful things of the kitchen once again? When, when, did, when did the Lord sort of <clears throat> say to you, Catherine, and to your family, you can carry on, you can walk, and you'll be okay? Well, I think, I don't know if we'll ever get there 100%, because things are, as anyone who has experienced loss knows, things are never the same. So it's not that you get back to normal, but it's finding your new normal. Right. And it seems that, I don't know, it feels like a little gift every year. I feel a little lighter as we approach 
the anniversary of of his loss and and we tend to celebrate actually his birthday more than losing him his death i don't know it just feels like a little gift and and i and that's god's grace there's nothing we have done to deserve his grace it's simply that we are his we're certainly not any super christians or anything but we were so surrounded by god's love through the whole experience friends family even strangers came and loved on us it is so hard to be angry with god and to walk in fear when you are so surrounded by his love and that's him that was his gift to us it doesn't make it easy but that's why i can't imagine doing this without god I know a lot of people when we meet them are really surprised to learn that we've had a son that we lost so early because you know we are joyful people but that joy is from God and I think it honors him and it honors Alex when we can embrace life and live it to the fullest and that was that was our thing you know you have your child diagnosed with stage 4 cancer and a rare cancer at that so not even one that's treatable and it puts so much into perspective what's important in life and we chase after all these things and yet it's the people that matter and so we packed in so much living in that 10 months we went to Rome with make a wish we had fundraisers that Darren's sister put together for us we got checks in the mail people brought us meals we even got money from a radio station so Darren didn't have to work the whole time and we just spent that time together as family trying to get the most as we could with our time together what was going on when you realized okay uh, all of that play all of that travel all of that fun had to stop and now we have to get serious about approaching that river jordan that he was about to cross All along, um, so right off the hop, because his liver was so enlarged, the boys were not allowed to roughhouse anymore. So that was taken off the table. And so there was a lot more, you know, just watching movies and hanging out, playing board games. Um, And then when we went to Rome, that was early on in his treatment so that he could still go. Um, And we let him set the pace. But I tell you what, he had us going from morning till night (laughs) exploring all over and uh yeah it was just gradually there was less energy as the mass grew uh it started sapping energy from him so i mean that it's a brutal thing to watch it basically starved him Mm. in front of our eyes and then when the pain got to a point where it wasn't, we weren't managing it at home anymore, and his fluids were a little bit too low. He made the call, and yeah, it's time to go to the hospital. We are talking with uh, Catherine Bushoff, and uh, we're hearing her story of hope. And she has a Facebook page if you'd like to learn more or see Alex. It's called uh, For the Love of Alex. And, uh, you know, my heart grieves. Of course, I've got two little ones, an eight-year-old and a seven-year-old daughter. And, you know, we all relate in the sense that nobody wants to lose a child and a heart breaks for you, Catherine. But um, still the strength that the Lord has given you. Here's your opportunity to talk to our audience about... 
no matter what their situation is, no matter what pain they may be going through, no matter how difficult things may look for them, there is hope. Why and, and where can they find it? I've learned a lot of things about people and about God. And he is not nearly as hard of a taskmaster as so many make him out to be. Wherever you are, whatever your story, whether it's loss, abuse, divorce, financial ruin, he's there. And if you ask him to reveal himself to you in your situation, he'll show you. Because if he can be there for us, we're no different than anybody else. We're an average little family. But it's turning to to God, to to Jesus, and asking him just to, to be with you through it. I've learned an interesting thing about comfort. Sometimes, you know, we think Jesus is going to be our lucky rabbit's foot. If I just believe in Jesus, he'll comfort me and he'll take this away. And oftentimes comfort just comes from him being with us in our situation. We went to a a bereaved parents um, grief group, and we were so surprised how every week we would come away feeling lighter and comforted. And there wasn't a thing one of those people could do to take away our pain or change what has happened. And yet we were comforted because they understood our pain. And it changed the way I see Christ as our comforter, that sometimes he just sits with us in those dark places says, yeah, I understand. I've discovered there's a whole bunch of scriptures that talk about the fellowship of Christ's suffering, and I see them now in a whole new light. There's this train of thought that if you have enough faith or live a righteous enough life, somehow you'll be exempt from the hard stuff. If Christ is our example, then that's not true. One time I was pleading with all my heart for God to have have mercy on Alex And I offered to take his place. And in my anguish, without thinking, I muttered, There is a way, let this cup pass us by. But not my will, but yours be done. And in an instant, I was reminded of Christ pleading in the garden for the cup to pass him by. And in that moment, I felt an assurance that he knew exactly what I was talking about. I gained a much deeper understanding of the price he paid for each of us. And early on, um, before he started his treatments, I felt in in one of my prayer times, God said it was finished. And I thought, of course, that meant that they were going to, you know, we'd go to the hospital and they would find that the cancer is gone and praise Jesus, we're going to have a little celebration and he's going to be healed. It was in that moment of me pleading with God and him reminding me of his pleading in the garden that he's like, when I told you it was finished, It wasn't the cancer I was talking about. It was my triumph over death. So it's been contemplating eternity that has power. It's been the biggest comfort to me through this storm. When we think about eternal life, it puts this life in perspective. It puts our faith in perspective. It gives us hope. It gives life to the yearning in our hearts. Somehow deep in our hearts, we are known we are made for a better life. And it points to where we are headed, a place where there are no more tears, a place where we experience the deep love we spend our lives trying to find, a place where peace and purpose are everyday life. And and I believe that's what Alex has now. And he's just there first. 
So, Catherine, you have another child, Wynn, and how, how has he handled all of this? Uh, it's been really hard on him, actually. Um, kids are very resilient, and, you know, they bounce back pretty good. But there's times where you can definitely see the biggest thing is because it, Alex was the big brother, he's never known life without a playmate. So he's been quite lonely, but God has been good and brought some good buddies alongside. And now that we're in Okotoks, he's closer to family, cousins and stuff. So uh, that's been a tremendous help for him. But yeah, it's been, it's been hard on all of us. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey of pain and your perspective, Catherine, on the Lord and to not get embittered, but to believe through the pain is very, very powerful and uh, speaks volumes. And again, you, you shared all of this in the context of definitely there are people who are listening now who are going through something very, very difficult and they may feel like they don't know how to get through And thank you for pointing us back to the Lord, because um, he may not remove the situation, but he promises to go through that situation with you. And there's a fellowship of the the sufferings of Jesus Christ that we can partake in, um, that people like yourself always say, he's there, he's there, he never never left me. I I sense from you that even through your dark period, he was there, but it was just dark. Oh, so dark. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Catherine, thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you for listening to Stories of Hope on AM 700 The Light. Share your story with us. Stories of Hope at Hope150.ca.